Hi, and welcome to Day One Podcast. My name is Simon Moran, and today I have a very special guest, Mr. Craig Jackson of Barrett Jackson. Craig, how are you doing today? Very good. Thank you. So to start off, the Day One Podcast really takes individuals back to the early parts of their career and talks through different aspects of how they ended up where they are today. So to start off, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and some of the experiences you had as a young child. Well, I grew up here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I was born in Michigan. My parents both worked for uh, General Motors back in the day, and then they both became entrepreneurs. They started coming out to Scottsdale in the 50s, and then my parents both made the decision they didn't want to go back to the snow, which was, I thought, a very good decision. Uh, So they moved out here, and uh, they moved out here with our first collector car, which is being restored in the uh, outside in the metal shop Mm -hmm. right now. So I grew up around cars and uh, in the whole Scottsdale area. In fact, I used to ride dirt bikes out here where the auction site is because this was in the middle of nowhere a long time ago. So I, uh, I grew up around cars. My brother had a racing shop, which evolved into our restoration shop, and I spent an awful lot of time there. My dad had a car wash when I was growing up and spent a lot of time there. So I've been around cars my entire life. Right. So clearly you were influenced at an early age. When you started to grow up and really have the ability to maybe start to get behind the wheel yourself or get on those dirt bikes, what was that experience like and and what did you gravitate towards as far as vehicles? Well, uh, when we did the first car shows, we restored a Bantam for my self at uh, the car wash and I was probably 11 or 12 and I drove that around uh, and then worked on cars my entire life uh, growing up around a lot of guys in their 70s that were old masters. Uh, Von Dutch used to be our pinstriper so I grew up around a lot of really talented guys and uh, learned a lot from them. So in high school, what were some of those activities that you did related to cars that, you know, outside of school that, um, you know, maybe you did with your dad or you were in the shop or what were some of those activities that you did? So I worked after school every day. So early on, when I was, my dad would never buy me things. So he bought me, uh, he worked to deal with me to, uh, if I got on the principal's list, I'll I'll back up one step. My dad... I started a motorcycle repair shop in our garage when I was probably 12, 13, Mm. and then evolved into working at our shop and being my brother's apprentice, which I learned an awful lot of stuff doing that. And then my grandmother gave me her car in 1975, and I spent between my sophomore and junior year restoring that car, painting it, tricking out the engine, back in the day, putting high compression pistons and a camshaft and all that Mm -hmm. headers in it. And then went drag racing on Central and spun a rod bearing and parked it. (laughs) Ironically, we are getting ready, I still have the car, to resto mod it in our new shop. And we're going to take it to a whole nother level now. Uh, After that, I, uh, I continued working on cars and started my own business uh, even when I was in high school painting cars and working on people's cars for my dad primarily and uh, 
restoring cars frame off even before I was 17 years old. I was already doing that because I'd grown up in the business. Sure. So did you ever have an experience where you looked at it, you looked at the car and it was the one that you just fell in love with? Was there a car that you fell in love with for the first time? And could you talk about that a little bit? Well, I don't think I have any pictures of them in here. I think they're in my other office. Uh, my dad restored and like French classics, so I've restored quite a few French classics, Dallahays particularly. In fact, we just finished a Talbot Lago that we took to Pebble this year. I like those for the art form and uh, restored several of those, and one in particular that took me thousands of man hours to do because it was in really rough shape. So I've always loved those cars, and then when I sold that, <coughs> excuse me, I uh, went and bought some of the world's greatest muscle cars and back when they were just used cars. Right. And my dad thought I was nuts why I was buying some of these cars, huh. but bought a ZL1 and a Hemi Cuda convertible and cars before they really went up in value. Sure. Because I always loved those cars. My brother was 14 years older than me, so I had a different experience growing up. He grew up racing. Phil Hill was the best man at his wedding. He went to Europe with the movie Grand Prix, and they filmed that. So I grew up around Carol Shelby and Dan Gurney, mm -hmm. and a lot of these guys that he became friends with and I became friends with. So I had that side, and then Tom Barrett and Tom, uh, had 10,000 cars go through his hands in his lifetime, and I did a lot of work on Tom's cars over the years. And I got a good sense of cars, but what I always liked were the newer muscle cars that my brother's friends, who he was 14 years older than me, right. were driving. Sure. So I had an affinity for that, and that carries through to today. I love those cars, but now I like the resto mods and the modern supercars, the next generation of them. So if you love cars, you love cars. But from the early days, I've always loved the cars that are really art and performance. And you mentioned Tom in there as well, Tom Barrett. Uh, going back to kind of the early times of Barrett Jackson with your father, Russ, as well, tell us a little bit about how it all started and how it all came together. So it started, in fact, there's a newspaper clipping up there, of a car charity car show. And it was called the Fiesta de los Autos Elegantes, and uh, it went on uh, for about five years, the late 60s, 67 through 71, or 66 through 71, somewhere in there. And uh, that was a charity fundraiser. That really set the foundation for Barrett Jackson raising money for charity. And uh, then it evolved into an auction. Mm -hmm. And uh, the early days, you know, it was like 80 cars, but having... Tom Barrett's cars in there, which were some of the world's greatest classics. And as I go to collections nowadays, you see a lot of the cars that pass through Tom's hands and across our auction block and some of the greatest collections that there are today. That's really cool. So, so when it first started, when did you um, first get involved and what were some of the things that you uh, learned in the early parts of the business? So I started off with a glamorous job. I ran the trash crew the first year. Then I elevated up to working for the drivers. So I was running the drivers before I actually had a driver's license. In fact, I got a ticket for driving a golf cart on the street in Scottsdale uh, going between two of the lots because we hold the auction at the safari, but a lot of the cars were across street. Sure. So we ran golf carts across street. 
And uh, the judge snickered and threw it out. He's like, well, you're working, you're driving the golf cart, you're running all the drivers. Eh, I don't see any harm in this. So he tossed it. Uh, I had grown up doing basically every job in the company. Uh, from early on with the drivers, and then I got more into helping my brother with some of the logistics. And uh, then eventually, in the early 80s, I had college i took computer programming so i wrote our first computer program um you know i really tried to take barrett jackson every time i saw a new opportunity uh we had our first website in 94 which was pretty far ahead of the curve mm -hmm. we were live internet bidding in 95 we wrote it in-house in java back then and by 96 we were live on tv with live internet bidding so i've always growing up in different aspects of the company and then when my brother suddenly passed away in 95 having been involved in the company so entrenched in every aspect i brought in desktop publishing when that was early on and uh, computerized our accounting system early on and having run almost every aspect of the company mind you when we hold one auction a year we only had three employees so it was myself my mother and my brother and three other employees that ran the auction. Then we just hired a lot of other subcontractors. So right. my assistant also ran the bidders, one accountant, and one person that uh, did all the consignments. So it was a much smaller company, and then we hired a lot of subcontractors that came in. We still do that today, but now we're up to 800 people out at the auction and 80 five full-time employees here at Barrett Jackson. Yeah. So it's continued to grow over the years as we keep adding things and adding more auctions and evolving as time goes on. Now, growing up through the business, did you ever have any career interest outside of cars or outside of the auction? Sounds like maybe you like the art side of things. Was there anything specific outside of cars that you enjoyed? Well, I started three businesses. When my brother passed, I sold all three of them. So I had a uh, door and window company. I sold that. I started a company called Restaurant Delivery, which would now be like Grubhub, where we were delivering food to your house and wrote the software to do that. And then I had a uh, Porsche customizing company where I converted 911s to 930 slope noses, mm. which is now one of them sitting in the other room. Yeah. So uh, all three of those companies I sold when my brother passed. Um, when I went to high school, I actually took drafting and construction. I didn't take automotive. I took automotive. I took two years of it in college because it just seemed pretty simple and easy. Um, and uh, I learned a lot because I learned automotive, electrical, and a lot of things that I hadn't been taught formally, which still to this day uh, helps me a lot. So when I, whenever we're laying out anything electrical, I have pretty good attention. Like right now we're in construction, so I'm pretty much managing a lot of it. Mm -hmm. My hobby is building things. So back when you originally took over the company, what were some of the initiatives that you wanted to um, put in place and what are some of the things that you tried to achieve? Well, a few things. So first thing I did is I did a questionnaire to all my customers and really asked them what they wanted and listened to them. I sat and read every one of them. Some were fairly harsh. I'm a young kid. I don't know what I'm doing, you know, uh, but a lot of them if they took the time to write something that in paragraph form, I sat and read it all. And a lot of it was 
people were tired of a few things. They wanted more activities at the auction. The auction went on for about 10, 12 hours a day. They're like, you know, better food, improve the experience. I'm tired of just seeing all these cars, no sale, be, be tougher on that, be tougher on the cars. And so we implemented a lot of policies the first year that weren't wildly popular, but our sales percentage went way up and the gross dollars went up. So we just cut out a lot of no sales. And then we started implementing more uh, no reserve cars, but at the same time is when I really started really implementing the television and using uh, the internet and media to bring new people into the hobby at the same time bringing on sponsors and really making a lifestyle event was one of the goals and trying to make it so that it wasn't just for men that women liked coming to it making it more of a social atmosphere and making it an event so i had a after reading all those i i mapped out a plan mm -hmm. and said here's what we need to do and then worked with the city to keep increasing the size of westworld to accommodate it yeah, and it's it certainly turned into everything that you mentioned there. So it's it's done really well. Took a well. vision from the beginning. At first, everybody in my staff meetings looked at me like I was crazy on some of my ideas, and they still think some of them are. But <laughs> you got to come up with new and inventive ideas. And you know, I get complimented all the time because my competitors copy me, which I think is flattery. They're usually a few years behind the curve. Sure. So you can find Barrett-Jackson auctions in Scottsdale, Palm Beach, Florida, Connecticut, and Vegas. What are some of the historical points in the company's history, such as famous cars sold or obstacles that you've overcome that have really shown the uh, success the and growth this company's had? Well, I think some of the obstacles was my father passing and then suddenly my brother getting sick at Monterey and dying six weeks later. So getting thrust into running the company and changing it. And change is never, you know, something that people uh, open arms think that that's a good idea. So that and, and keeping the evolution and not sitting and thinking that we're the kings, that we need to rest on our laurels and always pushing the envelope to do stuff different and now with our almost all no reserve format and the way we scrutinize the cars i think we do the best job i know we do of anybody hiring the best experts to help and that brings in 40 percent new bidders to every auction so because of us being on television for 23 going 24 years it uh, really has changed the whole industry and we just keep evolving. So we're getting ready. To, we've launched a new app. We're getting ready in the next month or so probably to launch the whole new website. We've just built this whole new headquarters. And uh, we've got a lot of growth initiatives in the future. And it's all about what does it do for the hobby? And that's the goal. And that is you got to keep evolving. And I'll put it this way. So, and it may be a question down the road here, but... When I took over, we were selling almost all pre-war classics, some 50s cars, and I changed it to muscle cars. Now you see the evolution of the resto mods, the 80s cars, uh, selling a Supra at Mohegan Sun for 176000 selling Fox-bodied Mustangs for world records. And that is bringing in the millennials and the X-Geners into the hobby and mm -hmm. now bringing in Gen Z. And really, how do you show people how to get into car collecting, that it's fun, 
that it's not just an elitist thing. And that's why we sell cars in all price ranges. Because as we say, small fish become large fish. <laughs> Certainly. So um, I, I know you've seen a bunch of cars come across the auction block, but what are some of the ones that you can highlight that are your favorite that you've the seen over the years? I think are the moments of history. I would say the F88 was a turning point. That was a car that some of my competitors turned down at a $600,000 reserve. <laughs> And we told them, you're, you're going to put it in no reserve, but it's how we market the car and tell the story that that's an American piece of history that needs to be preserved. And the car sold for $3.2 million. That's awesome. On live TV. Next one, I think that was the most significant of this, and it all goes into that. We sell pulp culture, and that was selling the Batmobile. That was quite a moment. And that one, even some of the people that uh, do the broadcast thought it was overhyped and Bob Varsha said as the car rolled in you know I've been saying this car is overhyped all week but he goes I don't think the Beatles would have gotten quite the stir as this car coming in the tent with George <laughs> Barris sitting on the top of it turned off all the lights put the bat symbol up on the ceiling yeah. and played the theme to Batman cool. and it was just a moment and then never had a car sell where we ended up with two bidders out of that vast area bidders one sitting in front of the other they turned around and they went back to back a million dollars then they stopped and they're like how high are you going i'm going to 10 million how about yourself 10 million. <laughs> they went back and forth another million dollars finally they said this is crazy and they flipped a coin for it oh wow so 4.2 million dollars and the whole place erupted another very important one was having carol shelby there selling his personal super snake for 5.5 million dollars having the uh, head of Ford up on the block. That was really a, a moment for the auto industry that is hard to duplicate. And then a lot of the charity moments. Having George W. Bush on the auction block was quite an honor. Sure. And, you know, just the celebrities we've sold their cars, Burt Reynolds, guys that you've always really admired. I'm realizing what a super nice guy he actually mm -hmm. is. And so many more of the celebrities that we've sold cars for up on the block and just getting to know them on a personal basis and uh they're car guys yeah and those are great moments for barrett jackson's history but it goes to the foundation as to why they brought the cars to us and that is we are where if you want to turn a car into money the best marketplace there is on the planet sure so as the advent of electric vehicles comes into play how do you see that affecting the auto industry and the the car collection industry as well well i think you're going to see resto mods evolving into hybrids first probably electric thereafter in the new cars i think it's gonna and i'm putting away a lot of the supercars that are built right now the last of the killer petroleum-based cars because this era is going to end. If you look back, at, are we in 1969 or 1970 as to where that peak was of those cars where right now, you know, I bought VIN number one GT500 at the auction last year for charity and it's on the phone. It's getting delivered this next week. Uh, you know, a 760 horsepower cars are not going to be prevalent forever. They're going to start turning into hybrids like the 918 and the LaFerrari and the the P1, there's going to be the next generations coming out, and then it's going to evolve into pure electric. 
Now, for us guys that grew up with petroleum, we're going to cherish those cars. That's why I'm one of the founding members of the uh, new Automotive Country Club out here, where we can still go play with those in the future at speed <laughs> and enjoy the cars. And it also goes to why road rallies and all the other things that people get to go out and use their cars. You're, we're going to keep using those cars, even if they're not the cars being produced today. But you're going to see a lot of transplants happening. Like right now, we're putting, you know, LT4s, LT5s, and some of these new resto mods. We're going to be putting in different drivetrains in the future, and it's going to add more life to the cars. Mm -hmm. So knowing that there's an abundance of, of growth that you guys have experienced over the last few years, where do you see the auction really going in the next five to ten years? Oh, it's, you know, it's always, I don't want to say too much. I have a good idea, but not tell my competitors ahead of time. Um, you're going to see, as you know, there was eBay just sold uh, StubHub for $4 billion because what's the highest grow, growing industry right now in entertainment are live events. And Barrett Jackson is about growing that live event experience, but broadening it out for multiple generations and growing in that aspect. Cars are still the core. Cars are the most important part of it, but it's the entire automotive lifestyle experience that will keep expanding. Now, you mentioned the charity work that you guys do, that you've raised a bunch of money over the years for through the auction. In 2018, you guys raised over $100 million for different charities. Talk to me a no, little we've bit. we raised 118 to total today. Okay. Uh, I think we raised, I don't know, 8 $9 million last year, something like that. Okay, so... Which, Close to 118, over 118 yes. uh, million dollars over the years. Where does that money really go, and wh why have you guys been founded in, in such a way to give back to the community? Well, it started with the Fiesta. We've always had charity. It's when we first sold the first uh, GT500 with Carol and Edsel Ford up on the block, and we sold the first VIN 1 car. That was a okay, this went pretty well. Now fast forward, I bought the first GT500 in Scottsdale this year for a million one because it really goes into my whole collection of ultra-rare Shelbys and mm -hmm. painted it to match my Green Hornet. So that was a real cool experience. Now Scottsdale this year, we're selling the first mid-engine Corvette. Okay. Now Mohegan Sun, we sold the last front-engine Corvette for 2.7 million. So it'll be interesting to see what does the first mid-engine Corvette bring. Sure. And what does it do for charity? We work together with our sponsors to when we pick charity cars uh, that are things that we care about. And our our own foundation and what we care about are children, our veterans. Uh, we had a year-long uh, initiative my wife ran on heart disease called Driven Hearts because a couple of our great customers dropped dead of heart attacks and stroke. Um, and also our youth in learning about cars, STEM, education, getting kids interested in the automotive and high-tech world. And we need to start producing more mathematicians mm -hmm. and engineers, and that is another one of our big goals. So if it fits in one of those categories, we're all in. Awesome. So it sounds like you guys are really ramping up towards the 49th annual Barrett-Jackson 2020 coming here in the new year. Where would you send people to get tickets? And what are some of those things that they can experience in, in uh, the auction coming up this new year? 
So go to our website is the easiest, barrett-jackson.com, B-A-R-R-Jackson, J-A-C-K-S-O-N.com. And everything you want is there. It all depends on your experience. What I would tell people is, and I have it all the time, a guy say, yeah, I'll fly in for a day and see it. I was like, yeah, it's like flying into SEMA for a day. <laughs> Bring a set of shoes. Right. <laughs> you got a lot of real estate to sure, cover. Certainly. <laughs> you fly in and take your time at Barrett Jackson. There's, there's the entertainment aspect of it, of the auction arena. Four auto manufacturers are there doing ride and drives, thrill rides. Uh, you got so many of the new car manufacturers showing their new cars. Hundreds of vendors to go through selling all sorts of automotive and lifestyle related items, as well as 1,800 cars. So it's a, one of the world's greatest car shows, but every car ends up going over the auction block to be sold. Right. And... If you want to become uh, a bidder, go on the site. That gets you to the opening night party, which our parties are unbelievable. It really sets the tone, live entertainment, great food. And it's really our customers like getting together. It's the camaraderie. And don't try to just rush in. Come and spend the week and enjoy yourself at Barrett Jackson. Yeah, and, and I grew up in Arizona my whole life, and I uh, grew up going to Barrett Jackson and watching it grow over the years. And and I will say that it's one of the the best live events that we do have here in Arizona. So I would definitely encourage people to to come out this year. So, Thank you. Well, That's I, quite a compliment. And so. I and I appreciate the time you you gave me today and sharing your story here. And uh, thank you for joining the Day One Podcast. Well, thank you, and uh, I appreciate this because I grew up just loving cars and it's turned into a business but it's a business that I love you know and I keep thinking when am I going to retire I'm like what am I going to do play with cars <laughs> so you know I, I I love what I do and I love to share it with people awesome so please come join us well we appreciate it thank, thank you Greg. You.